Um, so Steve has already shared that um, this is a bit of a short notice um, situation, so thank you for your grace. <laughs> it's also the end of the year and my words don't come out very well um, by the end of the year. Um, but I've been really pondering these last few weeks that we've had talking about the kingdom and the power and the authority and I've really been enjoying um, the teaching that Russ has been sharing and the scriptures that he's been sharing and I've just been thinking about it at home um, and just felt really drawn again to John chapter 15 and I'm always wary of that because it's my favourite. So I was like, is this really God drawing me to John 15 or do I just want to read it because it's my favourite? Um, and it's special to me because um, when I was 13, uh, I probably, you know, really deeply stepped into my relationship with Jesus at a summer camp. Um, and these were some of the scriptures that we read and I just won't forget you know, the emotional moment I have of really putting my life in God's hands. Um, and you know that um, one of the wonderful things about being human is that whenever there's high emotional content, um, it becomes filed in our memory to be more easily accessed. So when you have, um, you know, a body experience, a God moment, an emotional moment with Jesus, it's designed that way so that you can remember it with easy access. Um, and so John 15 became that to me. And I remember going home as a teenager um, and having my yellow good news Bible, <laughs> standard issue, and just like feeling like it was the best thing ever. It felt like it was so brand new. And I'm a book person. So those of you in the room who are book people, you know that you want to touch the pages and you go into the bookshop and you want to smell the books and touch the covers. Um, so sometimes when I open this chapter of the Bible, I just want, I just, I, I, and I hear Tim's voice in my head saying, do you have to touch everything in the shop? But book people know what I'm talking about. Um, but before we get to that, I just want to do a really quick recap. And if you haven't listened to those um, the last few weeks of Russ sharing about this. It's, it's really great stuff and he is such a gift to us um, with his depth of teaching and I don't intend to go over that again. Um, but he does, you know, it, it's always good to start at the beginning. Um, so Genesis 1, 26, 28 again. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And we get from this that we were designed in God's image. Uh, we are by blueprint spiritual beings. And we are designed by blueprint to have deep relationship with God and because of that to have dominion or rulership over the earth that we live in. Um, and Russ has talked a bit about the Garden of Eden and how um, in rebellion against God when we want to do things our own way and in our own strength we give up not only relationship with him but also the rulership that comes through that relationship and that authority that's extended to us over things on this earth. Because rulership or authority is tied to relationship. Um, and we remember it's not actually our own authority. We don't get to be, you know, little superhumans who are extra powerful. Um, 
you know, like we have the magic crystal and we can wield it against things. Um, That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God's authority, which is always his. It belongs to him. He doesn't give it away, um, but he extends it to us to extend into our world. It will always and forevermore belong to God. But we are his sons and daughters. And, you know, I grew up on a really big farm on the northwest coast of Tasmania. It was about a 1,000 acres of dairy. Um, And I remember being this very skinny um, little red-headed freckled thing with um, homemade happy pants and gumboots and a very impressive red female mullet. It was was special. Um, And I just spent every afternoon after school from the hours of 3 till 6 free-ranging just ran wherever I wanted on a thousand acres and I liked finding um, little waterfalls and secret creeks and climbing trees and seeing how far away from home I could get before I freaked out and turned around and came home and you know um, it wasn't mine my name was never on a title deed of that property but I ran around like I owned the place (laughs) because it was my dad's Um, and by proxy And I would help myself to the sheds, you know, what's in here? Oh, here's some planks of wood and some nails and I'll flog his hammer and I'll go and build bridges and tree houses and all those kinds of things. And it never once occurred to me um, that it wasn't my right or it wasn't wasn't a good thing to do. Um, It was just natural um, for someone who had confidence in the relationship. And you know what? None of the farm workers ever questioned me either. (laughs) They just let me go. Um, And it just feels like how naturally we can be sons and daughters of God um, when we take the complication out of it. So we've also been reading, and Steve's already mentioned it this morning, um, Luke chapter 9, verses 1-2, Then he called his twelve disciples together, gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. And um, if you spend any time with Josh, he says this phrase quite often and sometimes it comes up in, when he prays as well. And he's, he talks about the kingdom of God. And he's like, God is putting the world back together. Jesus came to put the world back together. We offer hospitality and love to each other to help God put his world back together. And when we think about how it was in the beginning, back in Genesis, you know, there was order there was relationship, there was intimacy between God and humans. We, they would walk together and chat in the cool of the evening. There was love, presence of God, life, health and growth. Multiply and be fruitful. Multiplication and fruitfulness. Those things were just naturally there in the beginning in God's order. And it might not feel like those things are the blueprint for our world because of the world that we live in. It's, it's quite messy and often the opposite of those things. But those things are being restored wherever Jesus is king. That's his kingdom. That's the way he does things. And when he is king in each person's life, he starts to restore those things and starts to put the world back together, one heart at a time, um, one local church at a time, one city at a time. So if you acknowledge Jesus as king... All those things come flooding back to you in, into your life and start to transform your heart, your life and your influence and what you carry, the power and authority, into the different spaces in your world. Because um, we can't preach Jesus 
and not expect the world to be put back together. And we can't put the world back together without preaching Jesus. Um, Helen and Rob and I went to a um, just to get together of church leaders from all different places around Launceston and there were some interstate people there as well. Um, and we were just chatting to someone that we'd never met before and they were like, so what's your church's thing? You know, you know like what's your focus? <laughs> and I was, you know, socially awkward because I am. Um, I'm like, Jesus? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, but you, do you have a particular focus? And Helen's like, it's pressure, just bless her. She's like, no, really, like, like it is. <laughs> uh, and we were just having, you know, this weird little moment where um, sometimes it feels like the focus becomes the social justice movement. You know, what are we for? What's our focus? What are we known for? What are our programs? What are the names of the things that we do? Um, and to just say, you know, just Jesus can sometimes feel simplified. But what that's the way it's supposed to be. What else do we have? We can't put the world back together. We can't fix the city and the aspects of it without preaching Jesus. And so the focus has to be preaching Jesus. You know, Wednesday night when we got together... Um, Tony was leading us through prayer and worship. It was a really precious time. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm a very reflective person. You know, the bookshop journaling kind of thing. That's my jam. Um, and I get very reflective at the end of the year and the new year, sort of like overthinking, what has this last 12 months been? What do I expect for the next 12 months kind of thing? And Tony was in the last five minutes, he's like, let's spend the last five minutes just praying again into to some of those big faith goals um, that you're waiting for or hoping for or wanting to see breakthrough in. And it sort of caught me by surprise, even though I'm a reflective person. And I couldn't think of a single thing. I couldn't think of a single aspect of my life that I could name some a goal for. Um, I couldn't think of any numerical value or KPIs or outcomes <laughs> that I was looking for. And in the end, I'm just like, I just want more of your presence, Jesus. <laughs> That'll do. Um, and I, I just meant it, you know. There's nothing that I can measure about that. There's no way that I can say at the end of 2023, I got there, I didn't get there. But I know this, if, you know, the pursuit of the presence of God is going to mean that in and around my life there's going to be more of deliverance and freedom. And people set free and the kingdom of God extended. And I, I just want to help Jesus put the world back together. Uh, and I can't do it without him. It only happens in his presence. So today I just want to talk through two unhelpful patterns that emerge by proxy over time when we're trying to follow Jesus. But they are actually threats to helping God advance the kingdom. Because this world is not neutral space. It's not a neutral spiritual environment. So we're living where two kingdoms are at odds. And spoiler alert, the kingdom of God wins. <laughs> but right here and right now in this lifetime, we feel the tension. And there's no such thing as a lack of momentum or just trying to have a moment and, and hold it. Um, I'm trying to find the words. You don't hold steady with a lack of momentum in this world. 
because we're living in the influence of the kingdom of darkness. So if you try and just hold one moment where God did one thing and stay there for the rest of your walk and live the rest of your life neutrally, uh, there won't be any advancing of the kingdom. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's kind of like, um, has anyone tried paddle boarding? I, I love it. I only do it when I'm in Queensland. But, um, you know, the really long ones that you stand on, so they're on top of the water. Um, and it looks like you're standing there and you are standing there. But the theory is it's actually incredibly good exercise because while you're standing there, um, it's active stance. Your knees are engaged. Your core has to hold because under your feet is the current is the wind and to actually paddle, you're crossing your muscles across your body and it looks like you're not doing very much but you're holding. Every muscle in your body is working and if it doesn't, if you go like spaghetti, the thing just goes out from under you and you get wet. (laughs) And if you don't paddle, you just go where the wind takes you because you're on top of the water, you just get pushed or the current takes you. So if you're not active stance, If you're not moving, you just go with what the environment is doing around you. So if we're not active in our pursuit of God, in our relationship with God, there can be these two patterns that just emerge over time by proxy of just being a human in this world. Um, And the first one is self-sufficiency. And the second one is passivity. So we get to John 15 now. (laughs) I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That we are intended for fruitfulness. We're not intended for neutral ground, for neutral stance. We're intended for active service. We get to do something while we're here on earth. I get a bit excited about that. I like adventures. Um, And sometimes what can happen is we meet Jesus, we have a touch from God, a very memorable moment, um, but we just kind of pick ourselves up, stick ourselves in the dirt kind of nearby at a safe distance Um, and kind of live on the sustained memory of what happened in the past of that one moment. Um, And we just carry on doing the things that we did before and living the way that we did before. And um, it's just like business as usual with the memory of that one um, really impacting God moment that happened spiritually. But we pull ourselves over here and just try and be a branch. (laughs) Um, And the word says that there's no life in that. It's spiritual dryness in living in that way and we call it self-sufficiency so God does something amazing by his spirit we kind of take on the responsibility of maintaining it or replicating it 
in our own strength. Um, and it doesn't really work because Jesus made it very clear, apart from me, you can do nothing because we're talking about spiritual stuff and he is the spirit. And it, it happens to all of us. Um, and if you allow me to be quite vulnerable about being on the leadership team of a local church, um, I'm extra reflective right now because it's our fifth year in February coming up. And it always makes me think about and be grateful for um, the things that God has done, but reflect on the challenges as well. Um, and when we um, said yes to Jesus and it was clear what he wanted to do here, um, I guess you don't mean to, but you do have an expectation. And my expectation was that uh, perhaps this thing would be small and we would start slow and we'd have time to get to know everybody and invest deeply in each other and perhaps we'd track along between 50 and 100 people for a while and have a really good grounding season. And that's not what happened, as you know, if you've been around for a while. Um, we found ourselves in a season of God just adding people, not because we advertised or marketed or even said much to many people, um, but it's something that God did. And there were sort of 10 to 15 new faces every week um, and I'm a bit of a control freak and I actually found that a bit hard because I wanted to know everybody's story and I wanted to be close to everybody and I wanted to be able to manage it myself um, and that stress or pressure could send me into self-sufficiency or passivity um, and the self-sufficiency part of it meant I would try and work harder. <laughs> I would try and get around more people, try and invite more people over, um, try and spend more time on things. Um, and this, this energy and this anxiety of trying to fix it myself and make sure that I felt good about what God was doing. Um, and so I'm sorry for that. Uh, would you forgive me for that? Because what it really was is me trying to take back what God was doing into the realm of what Kate can control. And Kate can't control much. I'm very easily overwhelmed as a person in general. Um, so it was never going to be a long-term strategy. Um, and just taking on the weight of what God was doing onto myself. And you, will, you may have had interactions with me where you felt it. Um, and, th and these are some of the signs, actually. I've talked about signs of self-sufficiency. And you might have seen these emerging in different seasons of my life. And God is so good. He realigns us. Uh, and he steps in and he speaks scriptures and, and prophetic things. And in quiet times, he says, let it go. <laughs> I'm God, you're not. Let it go. Uh, but these are the signs of self-sufficiency. Um, we pray louder or use spiritual jargon to try and convince God to do stuff. Um, we read a lot and repeat other people's commentary in books, blogs, social media about God instead of dwelling in his words ourselves. We feel like we're constantly working harder. feel like we take on the persona of a cheerleader, trying to drum up passion or momentum in a group to create God moments. There's a long list. I'll find some more. Our inner thoughts and language sound like not enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough people. There's not enough resources, not enough money. I don't pray enough. And this language of lack, 
Um, and that's probably where I ended up at times. You know, I'm, not, I'm not meeting enough people. I'm not trying hard enough. Or there's lots of shoulds. I should do this. If I were a better leader, I would. I should. If I want God to be able to break in, then I should be doing this or I should be doing that. We feel very, very tired about the prospect of the future. Like soul tired. Um, feeling bitter when other people don't seem to be working as hard as us or make the same sacrifices. Inauthenticity or feeling like we're pretending spiritually. And a lack of joy. So maybe at times you've sensed a lack of joy. <laughs> and perhaps as a leadership team we were feeling the pressure of not really knowing what we're doing and trying to take back some control and being self-sufficient in what God was doing instead of releasing it back to him. And it's very easy to do as humans. So in John 15, we remember that God is our source. We don't want to try and do anything in our own strength. And some really key phrases for us when Redemption Hills started, it was like, people don't plant churches, Jesus plants churches. We had nothing to do with it. Uh, we don't have a grand poobah. That's, <laughs> that's not the right language, is it? We don't have a person. Jesus is the head of this church. And my favourite that Tim says often, he's like, we haven't done anything clever yet. <laughs> and it's true. We don't know what we're doing. Um, the biblical pattern is clear. That's what we're sticking with. The Holy Spirit is gracious and gives us instruction. Um, and the, the song that I've had going round and round my head for the last few weeks um, is that very old hymn, because, you know, imagine growing up in the country, upright piano with hymns, that's where it was at, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Um, and it sounds simple, but the an antidote to self-sufficiency is just to stay close to Jesus. That's all. I was on a touch footy team here in Launceston for a while called the Grass Cutters. We were Division 4. Very, <laughs> very good. Um, and it was a mixed team. So basically I just played dummy half for three years. You know, the person who picks up the ball when the other person rolls it behind and then throws it off. That's what I did for three years. Um, and I'd pass it off to the faster people who would run it up to the try. And after about three years I got my own try. And the celebration, that was just over the top. Uh, but I had so much fun. I still went out with the team. I had a drink after each game. It's like, yay, go us. We got five tries, did I? Not for years. But I felt like I was part of the team. And that's how it is with Jesus. You know, we get to be on the winning team with none of the pressure. Because the source is Jesus. The power and the authority belongs to him. We don't carry it. Um, and I know Steve... Um, prayed in a prophetic word in one of our elders meeting is just like just feel like God's saying relax just relax because when the authority and the power stays with him joy stays with us when the authority and the power stays with him joy stays with us because uh, when you know the weight of the kingdom is on your shoulders and you're not the king uh, it starts to feel heavy and stressful and pressure and that is the opposite of the kingdom of God Jesus says my yoke is easy my burden is light come to me and find rest for your souls and so if we're feeling pressure on our souls 
uh, we've bought into a way of thinking that's not his kingdom. So if you've been in church over the last couple of weeks and you heard, you know, Russ starting to talk about let's be naturally supernatural and we're going to preach the gospel and cast out demons and heal the sick and you're like, whoa, this just got serious. <laughs> it's starting to get a bit out there. You can feel the temperature rising in yourself. Do I want to be part of this? Am I in? How much is this going to cost me? Um, is this really, you know, if we're really honest, it's like, am I in with this? Do I really believe that? And what's going to be asked of me? Um, and it's not the same as challenge and conviction, which can come from the Holy Spirit, but pressure. Because in past models, past circumstances or experiences that you've had, um, maybe that passion for advancing the kingdom has ended up looking like a program or a strategy um, or some big numerical target that gets advertised. Um, Lots of extra events and this sense of pressure that if you don't do this, this and this, then God's kingdom can't advance and he won't do this, this and this. Um, and it takes all the fun out of it. It really does because it's transplanting the systems of the world into God's kingdom um, and thinking that it won't, you know, destroy our souls. Yeah. So I just we would just want to set you free. You don't have to do or be anything other than what God is calling you to be right now. He is the vine. We're just the branches. And our responsibility is just to stay attached. So self-sufficiency can just fall away. But, there's always a big but. And I work with kids, so whenever I say there's always a big but... I expect people to laugh. <laughs> Kate just said big but. Um, the big but is the rest of John 15. He is the source. The power and the authority belongs to him. It flows through the vine to us. Um, but there's a big but. He says remain in me. And remain is a verb. Let's go back to our primary school grammar. Verbs are doing words. They're action words. So even though... All the power is his. What he is asking of us is to remain in him, to pursue him. So the second long-term pattern that's a threat to this kingdom advancement is just being passive. Because just marking time on earth is not fruitful. Have you seen Finding Nemo? Um, which is about a dad fish and a baby fish. Um, and the dad's being like super parental protective, a little bit of a helicopter parent. Um, and he's like, I just don't want anything to happen to him. And his friend Dory goes, yeah, but if nothing happens to him, then nothing will ever happen to him. So if we don't do anything, then we won't do anything. You know, and Jesus wants to put the world back together. So are we in? We get to be. In. We get to be part of putting the world back together. It's actually very exciting. Um, a few weeks ago, I was on kids' ministry, and if any of your parents, I apologise. This was a bit random and a bit of a metaphor, and I'm not sure if any of the children really understood. But my idea was this. I gave them all sticks with googly eyes, um, and we played this game, you know, with the three cups, 
and the ball underneath it and you mix them all up and the person's got to try and find where it is. I did it with a chocolate so it was extra, yeah, up the stakes. Um, so I put a chocolate under there and I mixed it all up and one kid had to try and figure out where the chocolate was and the only person who could give them a clue was my pet stick. <laughs> I was like, here, the stick's going to give you a clue. <laughs> yeah, that's how the kids reacted too. They're like... <laughs> What are you doing? Um, anyway, so we played this game and then dropped the bomb. Jesus is not your pet stick. Jesus has things to say. Sticks don't talk. Jesus talks back. <laughs> oh, this rose into the snorting stage of, of Kate's ideas. Uh, but it's true, isn't it? Sometimes our children's spirituality... Um, stays at the place of, and Jesus cares about these things, don't get me wrong, praying for sick guinea pigs. You know, they have a list of things they want Jesus to do um, and their perception of whether he's real or not depends on how he answers those prayers. It's like that's not the Jesus in here. The Jesus in here talks back and has ideas and has words. John 15, 9 to 17, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I keep my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so you, my joy might be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business, but instead I call you friends. Everything I've learnt from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you might go out and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love one another. We are in on his plans. He calls us friends. We get to know what he's doing. And actually on the pet stick, before they went home, I said, here's two new prayers, kids, that I want you to pray that you might not have prayed before. One of them is, Jesus, what are you doing? And the other one is, Jesus, what are you saying? Because Jesus talks back. And I don't mean for this to be change the world inspo. <laughs> uh, I'm not particularly an inspiring person. And you might feel like I'm passionate, but it's because I am. But it's because it's a baseline privilege and responsibility of being a follower of Jesus. He's putting the world back together. He's got stuff for you to do. So if we make a one-time decision for Jesus and then deattach and just do the patterns of what we've always done the rest of the week, uh, there's no way that there's going to be fruitfulness in that. It's going to be dry. So here are some signs that we might be living in passivity. Connecting with God can become a bit of a checkbox instead of a joy. There might be an unspoken acceptable frequency meter for spiritual practices. This internal sense of how often, um, you know, going to a worship service is acceptable. Tick that, I'm good for a couple of weeks kind of situation. Reaching for worldly strategies more often than spiritual ones. Um, remember how I said when life pressure is on, 
sometimes we tend to go to one of these two directions. Um, and definitely this year when I felt a bit run down, um, I reached to ordering vitamins off the internet. <laughs> Nothing wrong with vitamins off the internet, mind you, maybe, depending, depending on their scientific background. But um, I knew that I was increasing those things and decreasing my spiritual practices. I could tell. There might be a sense that you're feeling robotic or numb or uninspired about the things of God. Getting to the end of your day, reflecting on it and realising that you weren't really aware of anything that God was doing. Just going through the motions. Filling life with entertainment or manufactured excitement to compensate for not feeling internally energised and alive. Constantly dreaming about the next big thing or challenge to escape current reality. A lack of internal peace. Feeling emotionally flat about things that used to bring you joy or make you grateful. Maybe going through the motions in worship. Maybe withdrawing from people relationally. Just not feeling like yourself. Uh, maybe feeling hard-hearted about conviction when God starts to to speak into your life and push things a little bit, um, feeling an internal no instead of an internal yes. Being susceptible to advertising. <laughs> like vitamins off the internet, I don't know. Uh, feeling boredom with this moment in time and maybe a lack of joy. Some of the symptoms can be the same because both of them are signs um, of not being attached to the vine, where the life is. And there are seasons of external pressure and suffering. Um, and when those seasons are there, um, sometimes we do go into those two coping mechanisms, either trying to fix it myself and work harder to make it better um, or to just give up and hope that it passes. Um, so we will have to watch out for this our whole life long. And God's so gracious with us, you know. We feel ourselves getting a little bit off track. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Moves us back in with scripture, encouraging words. His voice breaks in. He says, no, no, I'm the way, the truth and the life. You're not going to find it anywhere else. You're not going to find it inside yourself by being really strong and super self-sufficient. You're not going to find it out there in the world by being spiritually passive and giving up and reaching for other things. And simplicity with life with Jesus is about that, not intending to be complex. It's just stay close, choose to remain in him. And then preach the gospel, cast out demons and heal the sick. <laughs> so you just have this sense that um, your joy is lacking or you've transplanted yourself away from the vine, um, feeling a bit dry. Like the life of God is not really flowing on the inside. Um, the answer is just to reattach. It's, it's not meant to be complicated. We're only ever one sincere prayer away from reattaching to the source of life, flowing back through your veins, setting your heart back on fire, bringing the joy back into your life, making things feels simple again because God is God and we are not and he is in control and all we have to do is trust and obey. It's a simple prayer. Jesus, I need you. 
Jesus, my life is yours. Show me what you were doing. I'm in. I'm all in. (laughs) And God's so gracious to me. You know, I've been vulnerable about the fact that I do go to these two extremes at at times. Um, And if you sense that from me, please, um, if you sense the lack of joy in me um, or pressure, I'm putting pressure on you because of the pressure I feel as a leader, please let me know because it's an early warning sign that I'm not living where God is the source anymore and I'm trying to take back control. Um, And that's a loving thing that you can do for me is to tell me before I even see it in myself. Um, And God gives me this picture at times in my life um, where we're climbing, you know, the climbing gear um, and he reaches down with a carabiner and hooks on. He's like, I choose you. I've got you. And I've got my carabiner and I reach back up and clip on. It's like, I choose you. Where you go, I will go. Um, And every time I see this picture of this double carabiner where you're climbing together and nobody falls because nobody's letting go, we're always doing something adventurous. And that's what life with Jesus is supposed to be like. Life in the vine, it is life. It's not dryness. Um, And he's in control of it, so it's easy. I say that. It's easy. Just one sincere prayer away. Um, So if you sense that in yourself, I think think we'll just pray for that and ponder that during the week um, and, and see if you feel, have felt that movement towards planting yourself away from the vine. Um, and just choose to reattach, to come back in. Do those spiritual practices that you know um, help you feel the presence of God again, whether it's worship or being out in nature or um, sharing this with somebody and getting getting them to pray for you, reading scripture and, and having that solitude to just soak in his presence. Whatever it is for you, go to those things again and, and reattach. Um, so we'll just pray, Father God... We thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And life with you is not meant to be pressure. You are God and we are not. And it's the delight of our heart that we get to do life with you. It's the delight of our heart that we get to do stuff for you. And we just want to pray as a local church, God, that each heart... um, wherever we are, whatever you've called us to do in this city and beyond, in our families, in our work, in our schools and beyond, that it would be fruitful, that it would multiply and advance your kingdom out of the overflow of life with you. We just want to stay close to you, Jesus. We want to stay attached to you. You are the one. So if you're calling our hearts to shuffle back to the vine, to reattach to the vine, to graft ourselves back into the vine, the source of life, God, we just want to be responsive to that. We want our internal words to be yes. Yes to you, Jesus. We need you. We love you. We want to do stuff with you. Whatever it is you're doing, Jesus, we want in. In your name.